We are continuing in our new series in Exodus. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 1 as we get started this morning. It's page 45 uh, of your pew Bible if you're using that. I, I, I encourage you this morning, we're going we're gonna to look at a bunch of different scriptures. And so I'd encourage you to, to, if you have your Bible or if you don't have a Bible and can use a pew Bible, it might be helpful to, to look at some of these scriptures today. We are jumping into Exodus, and last week I, I shared with you a little bit about my, my thoughts on why, why do we want to jump into Exodus. We, we, I think Exodus is going to help us to see God. He reveals his identity in Exodus. Exodus is going to help us to see Jesus. I, I shared with someone this morning that, that one of the, the hard things as we walk through Exodus is, going, is I'm going to want to run Every time I'm going to want to show you the little pictures of Jesus that we see over and over and over. And there's lots of other things that we want to talk about. And so it's going to be hard for me not just to run straight to those pictures of Jesus every time we gather together. They're all over in Exodus. And we're also going to see us in Exodus. I think we saw that in Psalm 106, that we see us in the story of Exodus. Exodus... It's the second book of the Bible. It's, the, it's, the, it's a part of the Pentateuch. That's the first five books of the Bible. It's also the, the book of the law is the first five books of the Bible. It's where the, the law of Moses comes. It's the, the law that, the, that they point back to for the rest of the Old Testament and even the New Testament. They point back to these first five books, the Pentateuch. Uh, they're written by Moses. Exodus is written by Moses. Um, and, and it's one long story. Exodus is not a a story in and of itself, but it's part of another epic saga that started even before Exodus. And I want to show you that a little bit because I think even as as Exodus starts, right away in Exodus chapter 1, verse 1, Moses is telling us this is not the beginning. This is not the start of Exodus. This is the continuation of a saga. So look right away. Exodus chapter 1, verse 1, starts with these words. These are the names of the son of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, each with his household, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Folly, Gad, and Asher. All the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Joseph was already in Egypt. Right away, Exodus chapter 1, verse 1, Mirs is fat, in fact, is, is basically, in, at least in Hebrew, all of the Pentateuch, all of the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. This part mirrors identically a verse that we found several chapters before in Genesis chapter 46. So flip back, if you're in your Bible there, flip back a couple of pages to Genesis chapter 46, verse 8. These words in Hebrew are just the same. Exodus chapter 1 said, these are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob. Genesis chapter 46, verse 8, the exact same words. Now these are the names of the descendants of Israel who came into Egypt, Jacob and his sons, and goes on to list them. What Moses is telling us is that this story, this story that we see in Exodus is not a standalone story. This story where we begin to see a a boy named Moses who leads his people with God's help, leads his people out of Egypt, is not a standalone story. This is another part of a greater story that started all the way back at the beginning 
And so what I want to do today to help us jump into Exodus is go all the way back to the beginning. This is the part, if you're watching a TV show on TV, this is the part at the very beginning of the show where they say previously in Exodus. That's what we're doing today. Previously in the story of Exodus, we go back to Genesis chapter 1. So take your Bibles and turn all the way back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to point to a number of scriptures from Genesis chapter 1 to walk us up to get to Exodus so that you can see this epic saga that God has for his people. It starts all the way back at Genesis chapter 1. If, I don't know how your Bible is paged, but in the Pew Bible, that's page number 1 if you're using a Pew Bible this morning. Page number 1. Genesis chapter 1. God creates... God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates people at the end of chapter 1. And I want you to to jump down to verse 27 and 28. Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. This is what we see. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. In verse 28, and God blessed them. God blessed Adam and Eve. He blessed the first two humans that he created on the earth. And God said to them in verse 28, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Right away, from the very beginning, Genesis chapter one, God blesses his people, he blesses humans, blesses Adam and Eve, and then calls them to to be fruitful and to multiply. That's the blessing that he gives to them, be fruitful and multiply. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 3, though, if you're paging through, we're not going to look at verses all the way through, but Genesis chapter 3, sin enters into the picture. Sin comes into the world and everything changes. Sin colors everything from that point on, from that point until now and continuing in the future. Sin has colored everything, even the blessing that God has put onto Adam and Eve. And so much so that if you just flip a couple of pages, by the time you get to Genesis chapter 6, you see that God has decided that it's just too much already. And he has decided that he is going to blot out his creation, it says in Genesis chapter 6. And then you see in verse 8 of chapter 6, but Noah, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Sin has gotten so bad, but, but Noah, this is not the first time, this is not the first time that God has showed us already his plan of redemption. We saw it actually, if you went back, you saw it in, in Genesis chapter four, Cain and Abel already have a, a system of sacrifices and offerings that they, that they give to God. There's already a picture of this, but here, but here we see in chapter six, verse eight, but Noah found favor. God is going to rescue a people. And so we have the story of Noah. You know the story of Noah. The ark, the 40 days and nights of rain. God floods the earth. And you flip over to to Genesis chapter 9. All of that happens. You flip over to Genesis chapter 9 and in verse 1, the flood is over. The ark has landed. And in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 9, it says, And God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. He says the same thing. The first blessing he gives to Adam and Eve, he gives it again. Noah, Noah and his sons, they're the only humans left. Everyone else has been destroyed in the flood. 
Noah and his sons are there, and he says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And so, you flip another couple pages, you come to Genesis chapter 11. We're only two pages away. We really have only, we've, we've hardly seen anything since Noah and his sons have landed. But it says again in verse one of chapter 11, now the whole earth had one language and the same words and the people migrated from the east and they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they settled there. He said, go, fill the earth. That's what God says to Noah and his sons. And, the, and, and two chapters later in chapter 11, they, they've, they've already come, they've settled, they're gathered together, they are not spreading out. And so we have the story of the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. We see this story of them trying to be their own gods, to do their own thing, to accomplish their own greatness. And God comes down and confuses their language and disperses them. And in fact, in verse 9 of chapter 11, it says, Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Sin has already shown its face. It showed its face in chapter 3 to Adam and Eve. It showed up again so much so in chapter 6. God destroys everything but Noah and his family. Here in verse 11, sin shows itself again. And finally, God says, I'm sending you out. I've told you this. I've, I've, I've given you the blessing of be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. I've told you that several times. And now I'm sending you out. I'm dispersing you out. I'm confusing your language so you don't settle. I'm confusing your tongue so that you don't gather together in groups. I'm sending you off in chapter 11. And then everything changes again in chapter 12. In Genesis chapter 12, we meet Abram. And it's here in Genesis chapter 12 that God begins to do a new thing. And God chooses to bless, in chapter 12, God chooses to bless one man and his family, his descendants. So in your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 12. I want to read a a bit of a portion here, starting in verse 1. Here's the blessing that God gives to Abram. Now, the Lord said to Abram, starting in verse 1, chapter 12, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you, and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and, I, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions and all that they had gathered and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, in verse 7, to your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Genesis chapter 12 changes. God has now chosen one man. He's chosen one family. And he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. So that I'm going to bless you so that you might be a blessing to others. In fact, he says... All the families of the earth, 
all of the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Everyone will be blessed through your line. This blessing that he gives to Abram here in chapter 12 includes both people that you are going to have a family and and this blessing is going to be passed on through your family to all the families on earth. So it includes both people and land. As they journeyed through, God says to him, to your offspring I will give this land that you are in here. It says in verse seven, I'm blessing you so that you might be a blessing to others. And so, if you page through, you're paging through, you're looking at this, Abram and Sarah, they have a couple of stories there in chapter 13 and chapter 14. And then you come to chapter 15. And God reestablishes this covenant, this blessing that he has made with Abram. And he does it in some spectacular fashion here in chapter 15. Chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. I want you, again, I hope you read this with me. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. This is chapter 15, verse 1. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue to be childless. The heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. He says, there, there's, I, don't have, I don't have any children. You've promised me people. You've promised me this family. You've promised me these offspring, but I do not have children yet. Verse 3, Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside, and he said, Look to the heaven, the number of the stars, if you are able to number them. And then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he, Abram, believed the Lord and counted it to him as righteousness. God says, you are going to have a family, your own family from your own son. He will be the heir, your son. And and not only are you going to have a son, but look up at the stars. The number of stars which are incountable, that's, that's how many your offspring are going to be. Your family will be Huge. And then, continue on in verse 15, chapter 15, verse 7. And then he says, I'm the Lord who brought you out of Ur to the Chaldeans to give you this land that you possess. In verse 8, Abram says, But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? How am I going to know? How am I going to know that your promise is true? How am I going to know that this blessing that you are promising to me is going to come about? I don't have children. I don't have land. I'm, I'm wandering around. How am I going to know? How am I going to know? And so God does something amazing here. God has Abram prepare a sacrifice. There, if you continue to read, verses 9 and 10 and 11, And as the sun goes down in verse 12, chapter 15, verse 12, as the sun goes down, a deep sleep falls over Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness falls upon him. And then in verse 13, the Lord says this to Abram. This is a a foreshadowing of what's to come. Verse 13, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there. They will be afflicted for 400 years 
but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And when the sun had gone dark, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between those pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, to your offspring, I will give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenzites, Camanites, Hittites, Pezites, Rephim, Amorites, the Canaanites, Gigershites, and the Jebusites. He says to Abram, I'm going to make, I'm making this covenant with you. There's going to be a time when it doesn't look very good. There's going to be a time when your offspring are sojourners in the land, when they're, when they're servants in another land for 400 years. It's not going to look very good. But I'm making a covenant with you. I am promising that this will be true. And then with these sacrifices here, with these sacrifices that have been cut in half and laid on the ground, the smoking pot and the flaming torch passed through them. God says to Abram, this is my promise. This is my sealing of the covenant that I'm going to do my part to make this covenant come true. That was the first pass. And the second pass was God saying, I'm gonna do your part to make sure this covenant comes true. This covenant has been sealed doubly by God. He signs it, he seals it, he agrees to both sides. This covenant is going to come. So, you're flipping through your pages, you see God makes this covenant in chapter 15 and in chapter 16 already, Abram and Sarai, they get impatient, they try to do it on their own, and we come then to Genesis chapter 17. God again reestablishes his covenant with Abram, changing his name to Abraham, with Abram and with Sarai, changing her name to Sarah. Verse, chapter 17, again, let's start in verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me, be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. And Abram fell on his face, and God said, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. Verse 6, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Over and over, God is reestablishing. He has made this commitment to Abram. He has made this commitment to, to one man, to one family. He has made a covenant to a chosen people and he has established it. He did it in chapter 12. He, he reestablishes it in chapter 15 and seals it with this covenant, with this, this sacrificial promise. 
And then in chapter 17, even after Sarah and Abram, Sarai and Abram try to do their own thing, try to make their own plan, try to bring about Abram's son through another way, God says, I'm reestablishing, I'm showing you again, I am going to make you a great nation. I'm going to give you a multitude of nations. I'm going to make you into all kinds of groups of people. I'm establishing a covenant with you and you will bless the rest of the world. And even in verse 19, Sarah, Sarah's name, Sarai's name is changed to Sarah and she is promised, she's promised a son. Isaac is Abram's son, Abraham's son. And so, you're flipping pages. You're looking at the book of Genesis. You flip pages and you see, there's the, again, Abram rescues Lot. There's a couple of other stories. And, we, and then we start to see the son, Abraham's son, Abraham and Sarah's son, Isaac. He grows up. He, he marries a, a woman named Rebekah. And Isaac and Rebekah have two sons, Esau and Jacob. If you're just flipping through the pages, you're seeing these, these stories. They have two sons, Esau and Jacob. And in chapter 26, so you've flipped a couple of pages now. In chapter 26, God again reestablishes the covenant that he made with Abram way back in Genesis chapter 12. He confirmed it in 15. He, he confirmed it again in chapter 17 with Abram and, or Abraham and Sarah. And then we find in chap, chapter 26, God again reestablishes the covenant with this family. Look at chapter 26, starting in verse 1. Now there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. Isaac went to Gerar, and Abimelech was the king of the Philistines, and the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. For to you and your offspring I will give these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven, and will give your offspring all of these lands." And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Genesis chapter 26, God reestablishes this covenant. He made it to Abram. He promised it. He reestablished it with Abram in chapter 15 and chapter 17. Over and over, he says to Abraham, you are going to be the father of many nations. A, a great offsprings are going to come from you, even though it's only Isaac. He says, your family is going to grow as many as the stars in the heaven. That son, Isaac, God makes the same promise to him in chapter 26. You're going to have, you're going to have many offspring. There's going to be lots that come from you, and this land that you're in will be yours. So people and land are promised again to Isaac. God reestablishes his covenant. Isaac had two sons, two twins, Esau and Jacob. The story, if you're flipping through, we're not going to look at all of it, but if you're flipping through, you see that the story then moves from Isaac's son to Jacob. Jacob is the one who, who the, the promise continues on and the blessing continues on uh, through Isaac's son, Jacob. Jacob gets married. He gets married to, to Leah and to Rachel. He, ha he begins to have some children. 
He does well. He, he leaves his father-in-law Laban's home. He reconnects with his brother Esau, who he has had been divided from since their, since their days together as, as young men. And then, if you're still flipping, flipping through your pages, you come to Genesis chapter 35. Again, we see it over and over here in Genesis. Again, God is reestablishing the covenant that he made at the very beginning. He actually made it at the very beginning when he, when he told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and to multiply. He gave it again to Noah. He kept passing it on. He passes it on to Abram, to Isaac, to Jacob. Here we find he gives it to Jacob in chapter 35, verse 9. God appears to Jacob again, and he comes from Padamaram and blesses him. And God says to him, your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel, and God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. God reestablishes his covenant. He did it with Abram. He did it three times with Abram, Abraham. and does it again with Isaac. He does it again with Isaac's son, Jacob. Over and over he says, this promise is true. I have made this covenant. And then, and then if you've read through Genesis, if you're flipping through your pages, you see there is, there is this story that happens after chapter 35. There's this story of Joseph, Jacob's son, it's an unbelievable story, and, and I'm, I'm giving a survey of Genesis, and I'm not even going to touch on the story of Joseph, but it's an unbelievable story. You should, you should take some time to read it. But Jacob's son, Joseph, through a course of events, through, his, through being sold into slavery, ends up in Egypt, ends up being put in charge of, of a large part of Egypt, specifically the stores of food and in the end, the way that Jacob's family is rescued is by being able to come to Egypt before Joseph and they get reunited and regathered together and the stores that Joseph has saved up for the country of Egypt end up rescuing Jacob's family as they come. His entire family, his brothers and his father, their whole family moves to Egypt. And, and you, if you flip through those pages, you can see that story. But you come back to Genesis chapter 46, verse 8. That's where we started in our first Genesis passage. Genesis chapter 46, verse 8. Now, these are the names of the descendants of Israel who come into Egypt. This is one long story from the very beginning, from Genesis chapter 1. Jacob's family, Israel's family, is rescued by Joseph, by the, by the sovereign hand of God that he works all the way through chapters 37 to chapter 45. This unbelievable story of Joseph culminates with Jacob, with Israel, being rescued through Joseph. And the names of the descendants, they come, they settle in to Egypt. And then... Flip another couple pages, Genesis chapter 50, verse 24. 
They're coming to the end of Joseph's life. He gathers his brothers together. Joseph, Joseph is the one who, who has been in charge in Egypt. Joseph is the one that the family has come, and, and Pharaoh loves Joseph so much that Jacob's family comes and lives and, and, and has a great life because of Joseph's uh, position in the government and his favor with Pharaoh. But Joseph is about to die in Genesis chapter 50. And so if you turn to Genesis 50, chapter, chapter 50, verse 24, Joseph says to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and will bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. He says, this covenant that God made, if you remember, he made it to our, made it to our father and he made it to our grandfather and he made it to our great-grandfather. This covenant that he made with Abraham and then with Isaac and then with Jacob, who's called Israel. That covenant of people and land of nations, he, they were to be fruitful and multiply. That promise that it didn't look like it was going to happen, but then, but then Abraham and Sarah do. They have one son and then Jacob has, or then Isaac has two sons and then Jacob has twelve it, it, it's been slow in coming, but God is going to do it. God is going to rescue. God is going to bring you out of this land. He's going to complete the covenant that he gave to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And so then we turn to Exodus chapter 1. In Exodus chapter 1, we read this. These are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt and with Jacob, each with his household, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Natali, Gad, Asher. All the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Joseph was already in Egypt. Then Joseph died, and all of his brothers and all that generation. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied, and they grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. All of a sudden, this promise that has been made all through Genesis, over and over and over to Abram, to Isaac, to Jacob, that Joseph talks about, this promise, this covenant, it's beginning. They're, they're being fruitful. They're multiplying. They're, the land is being filled with all of these people. They're, they're becoming like stars in the sky. The promise that God has made to this family, this covenant that he has made, is here. They're fruitful. They increase greatly. They multiplied and they grew exceedingly strong. The land was filled with them. And then verse 8 sets up the rest of the story. Now, there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. That's where we leave it today. This promise, this covenant that God has made from the very beginning, be fruitful, multiply. This promise that he reestablished with Abram, this promise that he showed with Isaac, this promise that he made with Jacob, promise that Joseph reaffirms. It's happening. It's coming fruition. It's coming true. They're fruitful. They're multiplying. They are great, but, but there is a king who does not know Joseph. The worship team is going to come. They're going to lead us as we close and worship this morning. As we jump into the story of Exodus next week, as we jump into the story of, of Moses, we're going to see that God's covenant looks like, even in Genesis several times, it looked like 
the promise that God had made, the covenant that God had made was going to be in trouble. And it looks like in Exodus chapter 1 and in chapter 2, it looks like the covenant that God has made with his people is in trouble. But throughout the whole story, from Genesis chapter 1 really to the end, to today, to tomorrow, the sovereign hand of God is always watching and always working and always orchestrating everything together. God moves in a mysterious way, and we're going to see that throughout the story of Exodus. Please stand with me. God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the
God's purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every Psalm 106 that we read this morning when he remembers, the psalmist remembers this story of the Exodus, he says, nevertheless, for their sake he remembered his covenant and he relented according to the abundance of his steadfast love. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting and let all the people say, amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for coming this morning.